0: That should be our um, commitment to the Lord that all that we have is consecrated to him for his use in whatever he would have us to do. And that's a good lead-in today to Colossians chapter 4 as we finish up the book today. And so um, Paul's concluding, and at the end of this letter, As he does many times, he makes note of fellow laborers and sends final greetings along as well, as this letter would have been carried from his imprisonment in Rome, and we'll see all about how that will work together, to the people of the Church of Colossae, and a few others as well. In fact, one more time here, I brought our map up, because remember, not only Colossae here, but Heropolis and Laodicea were three cities, three churches that were were sister churches to each other, and when Paul would send letters, they would circulate between these three churches, and we will see that marked, and Paul will make mention of that today. And so he's sending these and giving out greetings. And these are the parts of the letters many times where we tend to kind of maybe sometimes just gloss over real quick. A lot of names. Maybe we don't remember um, who these folks are. Some we do, some we don't. And some are only mentioned here in this list. Um, And we just kind of, well, that's nice, but there's not a whole lot for us to practically learn from that. Well, that would be a wrong understanding in a wrong focus of this, because it's especially apparent at the end of this letter, and it's one of the longest closing sections of Paul's epistles, that he's taking time um, to emphasize some things that, that we can learn from today as well. Paul will be describing faithful servants and struggling servants, those that are going through difficult times, And yet both are still able to fulfill God's purpose for their lives. Isn't it true that some of our own struggles and setbacks in life can at times discourage us and and affect our ministry commitment? Let's just be candid. As we look at things going on, unexpected things and struggles and difficulties, um, we can all at times experience a lull in our ministry faithfulness. And these final mentions that Paul is going to give of these faithful servants remind us that we can fulfill the Lord's ministry for us as well. And we find that here. We're going to start the passage in verse 7, but let's start reading at verse 15 here before we go to prayer. Give my greetings to the brothers at Laodicea and to Nympha and the church and her house. And when this letter has been read among you, have it also read in the church of the Laodiceans, and see that you also read the letter from Laodicea. And say to Archippus, see that you fulfill the ministry that you have received in the Lord. Father, let this be our commitment that we would be sensitive and submitted to the Spirit, that we would be directed and Whatever ministry you have for each of us, we're going to see a lot of individuals this morning, Lord, that were faithful servants, but they all had unique gifts and they all had callings, and um, they all um, uh, traveled and were willing to do whatever that um, the Savior asked them to do through His leading in Paul's life. So let us. Um, be sensitive to the Spirit's leading in each of our lives, that we make sure that we're doing all that we're called to do and that um, when you've made that clear that we serve with our whole heart, that we do fulfill and are committed to the ministry that you've called us to do individually and as Village Chapel Baptist Church. So, Lord, let us be encouraged and also um, exhorted as we look at the power of Christ working through your servants and realize that he can help us to be faithful as well. and this, we need your help, and we ask for it in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. We can fulfill the Lord's ministry. First of all, in the first few verses, we'll see we can fulfill our calling and service to God's people. We are called to serve each other and to serve in ministry, and we should do that faithfully. And so at the end of this letter, again, Paul's going to mention a lot of names. Most of these, I think, will sound familiar to you. Verse 7, he begins with a man named Tychicus, or Tychicus, yes. Um, I looked up that in the Greek, and I think it's still pronounced about that way, as much as we can know in the Greek. And this is a man, as he begins to describe him, that is mentioned many times in the New Testament as one of Paul's travel companions. And it seems here that he is the one that Paul has chosen to deliver this letter. And we'll say more about that in just a minute. Even in Acts 20 is where we first see him. You could turn there real quickly. You won't have to turn to all these passages. I have a number of passages that describe these individuals so that we're reminded of who they are. But this is um, in the midst of, remember, that great uproar, that riot in Ephesus. In Acts 20, verses 1 through 6, it says, After the uproar ceased, Paul sent for the disciples, and after encouraging them, he said farewell and departed for Macedonia. And when he had gone through those regions and had given them much encouragement, he came to Greece, and he spent three months. And when a plot was made against him by the Jews... You know, Paul was getting used to this at this point and had kind of his mode of operating procedure when this happened. He was about to set sail for Syria, and he decided to return through Macedonia. Then you have a list. Sopater, the Berean, son of Pyrrhus, accompanied him, and of the Thessalonians, Art um, Aristarchus, remember that name, and Sec- uh, Secundus, and Gaius of Derby, and Timothy, and the Asians from Asia minor Tychicus and Trophimus and these went on ahead and were waiting for us at Troas and remember the author here uses the word us because at this point this is Luke and we'll hear from we'll hear about Luke in just a minute that is writing the book of acts and so he's accounting these things but we sailed away from Philippi after the days of unleavened bread and in 5 days we came them at Troas so Here we find Tychicus mentioned for the first time and has been a faithful traveling companion of Paul ever since. He was mentioned in the book of Ephesians, if you'll remember when we had that study. uh, Paul says in chapter 6, verse 21, So that you may also know how I am and what I am doing, Tychicus, the beloved brother and faithful minister in the Lord, will tell you everything. And I have sent him to you for this very purpose, that you may know how we are, and that he may encourage your hearts. And so he is one of these select individuals, along with Timothy and Titus and others, that actually has the privilege of carrying these letters from Paul as he's in prison. He can't go out and there isn't a mail system that the apostle, the apostle mail delivery system or whatever. Um, He needs men that will take these out and deliver these letters to others, and uh, Tychicus is one of those. And at the same time, as he delivered this letter, then he would give the folks an update on how Paul was doing. They didn't have um, uh, smartphones back then and texting and email and all of these things, so they greatly relied on the servants, the people that were with Paul, serving with Paul, to let them know, these churches, how Paul was doing. And that was his role as he delivered the letter to the Ephesian church. Um, And that's also his role in this letter as well. He's also mentioned in Titus. It says, when I send Artemis or Tychicus to you, do your best to come to be at Nicopolis. For I have decided to spend the winter there. And finally, in 2 Timothy 4, Luke alone is with me. Get Mark and bring him with you, for he is very useful to me for ministry. We'll hear about those men in just a minute. And Tychicus I have sent to Ephesus. And he also seems one of these that um, was pastor of um, the churches in the New Testament. And it seems like Paul regularly was sending, as we read the, the end of many of these letters, Paul's sending this one here, and then he's moving Titus here, and then Timothy's over here. And they're pastoring as um, the Holy Spirit leads them. And as Paul, through the guidance of the Spirit, is directing these men to pastor these churches, he's also, at times, moving them around. I want you here. I want you here. And was one of these faithful men that was willing, really, to do whatever God would have him to do. Whatever Paul would ask of him. And so, with that background, then back to seven... This is the man who is carrying this letter to the Colossae, the church of Colossae. And Paul describes him he, uh, as one that will give further missionary updates about Paul. And then he emphasizes this man's committed ministry in three di- different descriptions. First of all, he is a beloved brother. He is one that is loved of fellow believers. Um, Paul and his companions, he is describing... Um, and validating, really, Tychicus' ministry, because remember, in our studies of Philemon's and these shorter letters, we found out, and also with John and his shorter letters, that a letter of recommendation would be sent along with these individuals to let the church know that this was a man that was approved by the apostles, and Paul is doing that now with this man and giving him this glowing recommendation but first of all he's a brother that we love much and is very valued among us but he's also a faithful minister he faithfully ministers God's word and ministers to people he's committed you can trust his ministry and he's a fellow servant remember that word is doulos That is uh, really means bond slave and we've talked a lot in the recent past in our studies about the whole issue of bond slaves and what that meant. And we won't go into that uh, today again. But God's people, his servants, Paul in particular, and those that served with him, they looked at themselves as sold out, fully committed to the Lord as bond slaves. Whatever God would call them to do, they would do. And he says Tychicus is among this group. He is a servant of the Lord, and you can trust him. And Paul then, with his glowing recommendation, he would expect that that, uh, these local churches would take good care of this man and his companion as well. And his companion is described here in a minute. Verse 8, I have sent him to you for that very purpose, that you may know how we are, and that he may encourage your hearts. Um, this is a man who will give an update and also encourage the hearts of the people in a great way. And so, uh, wonderful. Uh, this, this would be a um, description that we would all seek to have in our lives, that we're committed, that we're faithful, that we encourage the brethren, that we're loved of God and um, we're favored with each other and that we're, we're committed to whatever God would want us to do. Wonderful description indeed. It says, verse 9, And with him, this, might, this man might sound familiar to you, Onesimus, our faithful and beloved brother, who is one of you, and they will tell you of everything that has taken place here. Remember Onesimus, the bond slave of Philemon, as we studied Philemon recently on Wednesday night? He's also mentioned here. He's an emissary of Paul, and he's being sent back to his home base in Colossae. And as you remember, hopefully through that study, uh, Paul was dealing with a specific issue and wanted Philemon to welcome Onesimus back as a Christian brother, not just as a workhorse or as a bond slave, but as an equal in Christ. And so now, very soon, he's going to have opportunity to do that. And Paul has sent Tychicus with Onesimus, really, I think, as well, to make sure that this happens. Paul is expecting a rejoicing, a joyful reunion between Onesimus, this bond slave, and Philemon. Under new spiritual circumstances, they have a new relationship together. Um, They are equal in Christ And he's expecting that they'll both benefit from that. And I think as well, he expects Tychicus to come back and let him know that this took place between these two men. Uh, The former bond slave is now described as faithful and loved as well. And Paul, uh, I probably expected him to spend some more time getting reacquainted with Philemon and then if you'll remember our study in Philemon that I think Paul also eventually hoped that Philemon would send Onesimus back to him if that's what Onesimus felt like he was called to do to serve Paul further and so we have that background. I think then as well with all of this there's a good chance that as uh, Tychicus and Onesimus are carrying this letter that they're also carrying back the letter of Philemon. To give to Philemon and for him to read as well. Both of these, and so a lot of drama behind these verses as well, as these folks are getting ready to fulfill the Lord's ministry and encourage hearts and see spiritual reunion take place. <clears throat> I was thinking of the joy that I had recently. Leslie and I did um, a former young lady, a, a young lady that was a former. youth group member Um, that was your youth pastor. She's in uh, college now studying nursing. Um, I had the privilege of taking her and her family on her first missions trip, Um, even though her name is Jin Yin, and she's originally from um, South Korea. No, Taiwan, Taiwan. Um, and she had a family that adopted her in the States there in Maryland and was a part of our church and our youth group. And um, she loves the Lord. She's studying this, and out of all the things that she could do with, with her summer and with nursing, there's a lot of avenues open to her. She's chosen again for a second time. Um, and it the point is, it was encouraging to me because Um, taking her and her family on their first missions trip to Ireland a number of years ago and seeing the Lord uh, give the family an interest in missions. And now um, she called us recently and we were on Zoom together and she was telling us about a trip that she's taking to Togo, Africa, and going for a medical missions team there to serve the Lord faithfully and to encourage the hearts of the people there. And that is encouraging to me to see just one young lady that I've had a a part, we've had a part in her life, to now going on and fulfilling the Lord's ministry in her life with other people. I even have a little bookmark in my Bible here that she sent along to remember her this summer. And uh, it just, it thrills us. Because these are the things, and I'm sure Paul was thrilled as he's talking about these ministry partners, many more to go here that are going to be of benefit to the work of the ministry, faithful, committed men. And that is what we should seek to be. We should seek to serve faithfully, but we should seek to persevere, to serve continuously, to not just be satisfied with a particular time in our lives, but to serve faithfully until the end. And some of these others as well are examples of that. Many others, in fact, make Paul's list. In verse 10, a man named Aristarchus. In fact, we just read of him in that, chap, that passage in, in Acts. And he was also, along with Tychicus, a longtime companion of Paul. Um, and he's described as one of three in this list of faithful, committed Jewish men. Paul will make note of this. Who um, were faithful fellow ministry workers. Um, and so let's look at verse 10. Aristarchus, my fellow prisoner, greets you. <laughs> Seems to indicate here that this man can't go off right now and travel for Paul and help Paul because he's imprisoned as well. We're not told why and we're not given uh, a lot of circumstances, but we know um, he has long served Paul. In Ephesus, he was actually remember in the riot in Ephesus, he was one of the two that was dragged into the amphitheater, and Paul wanted to go and help them, and the people said, "No, Paul, you stay back. You know, we don't want to. We don't want you to be harmed in this. You're 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 more helpful to us, secure away from that scene." And God protected these men, but Aristarchus was one of those that was dragged off by the mob. Uh, that was how we were introduced to him in his service to Paul rather memorable and then he's also mentioned in the last part of Philemon um, as in a list Mark, Aristarchus, Demas and Luke, my fellow workers and of course if Philemon was being sent with Colossians that means uh, that Paul is again recognizing that that Aristarchus is imprisoned with him. And so this is a man that has been through many things with Paul and is suffering imprisonment and captivity alongside him as well and continues to encourage him in that way. Um, Whether he's in or out of prison, here are men that are still faithfully serving God and not letting their environment or conditions discourage them. We have a whole lot less discouraging and difficult circumstances than being thrown in prison, don't we? And so we shouldn't let things hinder us and keep us from serving in a full manner that God intends for us to. One phrase there, and uh, a lot of practical application. Oh, there's more. Another man that I think will be a little more well-known to you, it says, And Mark, the cousin of Barnabas. And here, uh, this well-known man, it's made clear that he is related to, to Barnabas in the book of Acts, who was one of Paul's first traveling companions and who was one of those in the early church that was just encouraging, now this is Barnabas, and comforting to others and always was bringing people to church and and introducing them to Christ. And Mark is his cousin. Well, who um, is Mark? Uh, Well, even early on in the book of Acts, Acts 12, he's mentioned um, that uh, the, the, the apostles and the early church met in the house of his mother, Mary. It says they went to the house of Mary, the mother of John, whose other name was Mark. John Mark is his full name. And many were gathered together and praying. This was the same man who was with the disciples, even the night where Jesus was betrayed, and um, were, they were in the garden together, and the soldiers came And the disciples eventually flew, um, ran away. And John, Mark, it mentions in the Gospel of Mark, was with this group and unfortunately ran away as well. Mark had some struggles early on in his ministry, whether it was running away from Christ or later on running away from the first missionary journey that Paul and Barnabas were a part of. I'll just read to you from Acts 15. Um, Now Barnabas wanted to take that with them John called Mark, but Paul thought best not to take with them one who had withdrawn from them in Pamphylia and had not gone with them to the work. And there arose a sharp disagreement so that they separated from each other. Barnabas took Mark with him and sailed away to Cyprus, but Paul chose Silas and departed. In that first missionary journey, we're told in Acts that John Mark went back and left um, the the ministry. And Paul didn't appreciate that. He wanted people that were committed and and would stay with him. But Barnabas on the other side of this, as they're contemplating their second missionary journey, Barnabas said, no, Paul, he's still useful. He made a mistake, yes. But I'm sure at that point he'd repented. And he's still useful for ministry. And God used this sharp disagreement to multiply gospel witness even further as Barnabas and Mark went one way and Paul and Silas went the other way. Gospel ministry, even in the midst of disagreement, was multiplied. Well, that's not the end of the story, because um, we see in 2 Timothy uh, chapter 4, and in this passage, obviously, in this passage in Colossians, Mark is useful for Paul again. And doing things. But he even makes more of an emphasis in the last chapter of 2 Timothy. Um, He talks about how Mark has become useful for him again. And Mark, and, and eventually it seems from what we can tell in the evidence, that Paul and Mark were restored. And their ministry relationship was healed. And now we see in this letter, this man is serving faithfully Again. Um, and he also served, it seems like he was, uh, from what we can tell from Scripture, served under Peter and was an even more constant companion with Peter. And then eventually, through his interviews with Peter and knowing Peter well, Mark would write the gospel of Mark. And so Paul says here, concerning him who you have received instructions, if he comes to you, welcome him. Now we're not told what that means or what those instructions are. Um, Some postulate that uh, Mark was more tied in with Peter's ministry and Peter had sent instructions for Mark to be accepted at this ministry. And Paul's basically saying, I agree. Make sure that you receive Mark. Welcome him. He's profitable for ministry. And we see here just a healing And a turning in Paul's mind. God turned Paul's mind and helped him to realize that Mark was useful as well. And so that's a redemption story in just a few words there. We rejoice in that. Mark did not start out well. But he came back, he repented, and he continues to serve God faithfully with the rest of his life. And then it says, verse 11, And Jesus, who is called Justice... Um, I think in uh, Hispanic uh, families and things, many times you hear the word Jesus um, and people named Jesus, um, and it's spelled that same way. We don't. It, it sounds a little really strange to us. We don't name people after the Savior in our culture today. But at this time, it seems like it was a regular thing for people to do that. It was. Uh, A a name of esteem, obviously, and many times they would, but they also had a second name. Remember in this culture where even Paul had a second name, Saul, they had both a Greek um, and a Roman name, and so his name is Justice. We don't know really anything else about this man. Except that he is a faithful companion and, and is helping Paul while he's been imprisoned, and that he's Jewish. Because Paul then says, these are, the, these are the only men of the circumcision. That means that they are ethnic Jews among my fellow workers for the kingdom of God, and they have been a comfort to me. Um, all three of these men are fellow kingdom citizens who are proclaiming the kingdom of God, who work for God to promote kingdom living. He says fellow workers here, that means that they were as dedicated as Paul was to getting the gospel and proclaiming the kingdom. And then he says they're faithful servants, but also they're just an encouragement. They provide comfort for me, and I'm so thankful for them. And he seems to be highlighting, why is he highlighting these men as Jewish servants and jewish uh, helpers well i think there's there's two reasons i think he wants to point out again that he has um Or he's emphasizing here that both Jews and Gentiles are working together with him, united in a common cause. And that was still not seen and still um, pretty uncharacteristic of the relationship at this time between Jews and Gentiles. And I think Paul's pointing out, I've got both working together, um, faithfully committed to each other and serving together, showing God's love to one another. Um, And... Then at the same time, he may well be pointing out that unfortunately um, those of uh, Jewish of ethnic origin were rare as far as serving God and serving Christ. That they still had a great obstacle as far as the Jewish people accepting their Messiah and accepting Jesus Christ. And so he points these men out as examples that they are fully committed to the kingdom of God and they've been a personal comfort to him. Well, I can think of many times uh, and many people that God has used in my life to be of a personal encouragement to me and you know God gives some people the gift of mercy and the gift of being a comforter um, and there are people in every ministry that just at the right time just have the right word to say and just when you need it the most can sense that maybe you're down or maybe you're you're burdened and they give you that word of refreshing encouragement um, encouraging you on in, in your in your walk and in your service to the Lord. And I can tell you those people are appreciated. There are uh, men and, and there are people in this ministry who have greatly encouraged me and uh, along this way. And I think like Paul, I'm so grateful for these that God brings into our lives to just be a comfort. And you know what I'm talking about because there's people in this church that have comforted you as well and just at the right time say the right things. And So thankful for that. Well, there's also a group of three of Gentile ministry partners that Paul wants to refer to as well. Verse 12, Epaphras. Now, that's one that should sound real familiar to to you because he's been mentioned in this letter before. He says, Who is one of you, a servant of Christ Jesus, he greets you, always struggling on your behalf in his prayers, that you may stand mature, and fully assured in all the will of God. For I bear him witness that he has worked hard for you and for those in Laodicea and Heropolis. There are those, those sister churches, that uh, Triopolis of these cities and these churches that are connected together um, probably. Remember, uh, Epaphras was mentioned early on in Colossians. In fact, I'll read that for you quickly. Paul said in Colossians 1, 7 through 8, he said, Just as you learned it, the gospel from Epaphras, our fellow beloved fellow servant, he is a faithful minister of Christ on your behalf and has made known to us your love in the Spirit. And it seems, again, as if Epaphras met Paul at some point while Paul was ministering in Ephesus and was saved, and then Epaphras went back to his hometown Colossae and shared the gospel, and God used him to start this very church, and probably the churches in Laodicea, Laodicea and Heropolis, these three churches, and Epaphras was ministering in all three of these together. And really, as you look at this description, this could very well be the same description that Paul um, uses for himself. Epaphras is, is one of you, his hometown is Colossae, he is also a bond slave, a servant of Christ Jesus, and he is with me, he greets you, but as you know, Paul reminds them of his faithful, continuous ministry, struggling, um, really, as, as Paul describes himself, is um, just fully committed in his prayer life for believers. Epaphras is that same way. Um, Sometimes, you know, when, when you're really trying to pray and you're really burdened, it can be a struggle and you can almost feel, you know, the working and the, and the battling and asking for the spirit to help you and, and your concern and your burden for other people. And this godly man had struggled and um, worked hard, if I could put it that way, in his prayer life to mediate, to pray for these people that they would. And what, what would a man like that be praying for so earnestly? that they would stand mature and fully assured that they would mature in their faith and that they would have confidence in their faith. And folks, that's a good prayer for any believer. And we need to be praying that for each other as well. Stand mature, growing in their faith, growing in their sanctification, submitting to the spirit. And then that assurance that sense of uh, I am a believer and I'm following after the will of God and pleasing to God, Epaphras struggles and works hard to pray for these people that they might continue on in their Christian walk. And then, again, Paul describes him as working hard. This man has put much labor into not only the church in Colossae, but the one in Laodicea and the other in Heropolis. He is a faithful man that is with Paul right now, and remember, he was the one that would have told Paul of the situation at Colossae so that Paul could write the letter back to them that Tychicus and Onesimus is taking back. A good man and one that is faithful. Well, um, he has a few others to mention here as well. That One that is very well known to us, like, like Mark, another gospel writer, verse 14, Luke, the beloved physician, greets you, as does Demas. Um, Luke is well known to us as a traveling companion of Paul. I mentioned earlier, he's mentioned, he's the one that wrote the book of Acts and mentions that he is along with Paul for the ride and many of these ministry settings and even probably all the way to Rome, Luke accompanied him and is there with him now. But we talk many times about Luke being a doctor, Dr. Luke, and how he wrote both the gospel and... And the book of Acts, which is about a third of the New Testament, by the way. This Luke, even though he's briefly mentioned here, was well-known and a prolific writer of Scripture. The Holy Spirit used him. But it's only here that we find that he is, in fact, a physician, a doctor. Paul makes it clear to us. And he is loved and appreciated. And so just a quick mention of a very faithful uh, man that God used in a mighty way. And then he says, as does Demas. Now, as exciting and as positive as Luke's story is, Demas, unfortunately, is the exact opposite. And maybe that's why even, that we can't know for sure, but he doesn't say a whole lot about Demas, does he? Maybe Demas in some ways is already showing some of his character and some signs that he may not always be with Paul. We do find in 2 Timothy chapter 4. Paul calls Timothy to come to him soon, and unfortunately, this same man, he says, For Demas, in love with this present world, has deserted me and gone to Thessalonica. This is a man in contrast to these others that would not continue on and would not persevere to the end and uh, cause Paul a lot of grief. Uh, It is an example for us that any of us could be that person if a man traveled with Paul and sacrificed with him and went through all that Paul went through and saw God working powerfully through Paul at the same time and still was able to leave and go his own way, folks, it could be any of us. We need to make sure that we don't have the character and heart of Edemus deep down inside. that at some point we will leave off and not follow God any longer. Well, in the midst of this description of these um, faithful servants and one unfortunately not so faithful in the end we also were reminded that we need to remember god's people and we need to encourage his servants and so verse 15 give my greetings to the brothers at laodicea laodicea and to nympha in the church in her house paul is asking for greeting again this is a sister church to colossi those three and he says make sure that you greet them and let them know that i'm thinking about them Sometimes it's just nice to know that other people are thinking about you, but he has a specific name here. This lady, and um, was a leader. Probably, um, don't think of her as a pastor by any means. But she probably was wealthy, a wealthy person that owned her own home and allowed the church then to be able to meet there, the church in her house. And so she was a leader in that way. And someone else would, a, a, a man, would have done the preaching and would have led the church. But she was a dedicated servant, and Paul says, you make sure you tell her how grateful we are of her hospitality and and, um, housing the church in that way there in Laodicea. Remember, by the way, in Revelation is the last time we hear of the church in Laodicea, and it's not a very positive description, is it, as John calls them back to Christ And maybe Nympha and her family had a part in them coming back to the Lord. We don't know for sure. But here are folks that are remembered. Paul wants to encourage these folks in their faithful ministry service. And we also need to, as far as remembering others, other servants, is to remember the needs of other servants. The last few verses here. Paul says, when this letter has been read among you, have it also read in the church of the Laodiceans, and see that you also read the letter from Laodicea. Now we see a little bit of a picture involved in this and how Paul's messages were received and delivered to each other. Uh, these, especially with those three churches that I mentioned, as showed to you on the map, they would have passed around these letters. They would have read, one person would have got up and read it to the church, and um, and probably would have read it multiple times and then either sent it along or made a copy and sent it to the other churches. And Paul says here, when you're done reading this letter, send it on to the next church. And that letter that they have send you make sure that they send it to you and you read it. Well, which letter is that? Well, we, we just don't know. Some people think it might actually be the letter to the Ephesians that was circulating in a broader circle here. We really don't know what letter that was, but it gives us a, a brief insight into how Scripture and how these letters circulated at that time. And so he knew that these people had the need of knowing what God had for them in Paul's letters. And he said, you make sure, you make sure that your system works so that everybody can read this and restre- receive the instruction from Christ Jesus that they need. And folks, we don't have to wait for it to circulate in our um, time today. But we have God's word. We just open up to Colossians. We open up to Ephesians. We have it all there. We're so blessed. Be reminded that wasn't always the case. Be thankful for the immediate access that we have to God's word. Well, another individual here that he mentions at the end. And say to Archippus, see that you fulfill the ministry that you have received in the Lord. Now that name may sound familiar to you as well because we read of him at the beginning of the letter of Philemon. It seems best to think of him probably as Philemon's son who it says was a fellow soldier in the work of the ministry. Remember Paul said that in Philemon. Here he wants the church to remind this same man who would have been a part of that church uh, what whatever uh, Paul is, re- is um, referring to here, maybe it was a specific responsibility that Paul had given to this man, or maybe he had in his responsibility some struggles, and maybe he had some distractions and things. Whatever that was, Paul says you encourage him, be continual, fulfill the ministry, you persevere, don't give up, fulfill the ministry you have received in the Lord. And, um I think as he finishes this up, he's also taking the full emphasis of the letter as encouragement and motivation to this man and to us. What is the overall arc and emphasis of this letter? The most important. It is that Jesus is eminent, that he is superior. Let me read to you Colossians 1 verses 15 through 18 again. He is the image of the invisible God. And if that's the case, and we know that it is, then Jesus, when we're submitted to his authority and his superiority, his preeminence, he will enable us to fulfill the ministry that he's called us to. Archippus need not be concerned. Through his relationship with Christ, he had everything that he needed, the power of Christ, to fulfill and please God in the way that God had called him to do. And he can give us all the grace that we need to fulfill our ministry as individuals here at Village Chapel as well. And so Paul reminds us that at the end, this final thought. Remember, somebody else, a secretary would have transcribed, would have taken Paul's words and written them down. But in most letters, Paul, as a validation that this letter was officially from him, would write in his own hand. And that's what verse 18 is. I, Paul, write this greeting with my own hand. Remember my chains. Grace be to you. Don't forget me. I'm going through some great difficulties too. Um, I I am limited in my ability to get places. I'm in prison. I'm in captivity. And yet I'm going to continue on. And remember that the grace that keeps me going is the grace that will keep you going too. Grace be with you in the same way that it is with me. Folks, with that final reminder from Paul, We can be reminded we can persevere faithfully as we're submitted and reliant on our all-powerful, eminent creator and savior and Lord Jesus Christ. Lord, thank you for a reminder of these many faithful servants that were listed here. Not just as interesting information of men that served alongside and women that served with you, that served with Paul. For you, but as uh, examples that we can continue on. And when we're discouraged or concerned or nervous about the future, like Archippus, we can be reminded that we can fulfill the ministry that we're called to do through our focus on Christ. So, Father, at this time, as we prepare now for communion, I pray that um, our folks here. And myself included, that we will now at this moment take time to evaluate what's going on in our hearts. Um, that we would prepare ourselves to be able to remember all that Christ did for us and the sacrifice of His body and His shed blood. And remember at the same time that He is the Creator, that He is the Lord of all and He will return one day and He has the power through the accomplishment of his mission. The blood of Jesus Christ that cleanses us from all sins and gives us the victory, that he has the power for us to live for him. And so let us be pure as we come to this table. Help us to look inward. And if there's anything, Lord, that you've been impressing upon us that we need we need to repent of and give over to you, I pray that we would do that now. That we would um, be ready to to be sobered, but at the same time joy in this remembrance of what Christ has done for us. Help us in this, for it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.